Welcome to Joshua's Worst Nightmare podcast presented by Denver Horror Collective. I'm your host, Josh Schlossberg, surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. For this episode, we're being visited by Claire Castleberry. Claire Castleberry's horror and erotic fiction has appeared in various zines and anthologies since 2006. She has worked as a writer and librarian all over the world, including places like the Republic of Georgia, Thailand, California, and New Orleans, Louisiana. Her new novel, Azalea House, is scheduled for release on November 16th. Find her on Instagram at fembionic007 and Twitter at fembionic. Welcome to my nightmare, Claire. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. So Josh's Worst Nightmare, I invite on horror writers to talk about an aspect of biological horror, which is living creatures, vital processes relevant to their writing. So this episode, we're talking about coitus, <laughs> intercourse, <laughs> sex. What might be your experience in this realm? Well, you know, I just think that there's so much that you can do with sex and horror. I mean, really when you think about it, <laughs> sexuality is so nuanced and especially human sexuality. I think there's just so much that you can do with it. There's so much material there. Um, and it starts out as a primal biological base, but in so many animals, especially humans, it comes across as very nuanced and complex. So you might even say that the unique cognitive competence in humans is due to the transformation of biological sexuality into eroticism. So that's, I think, um, a great start. And from there, you can just go on and on. Right. So yeah, the real connection, particularly in the human world between the the brain and sexuality. And I'm not sure if yes. you were getting, getting at the idea that we may have evolved as humans based on, well, not just sexual selection, but our brains evolved in order basically to be able to get laid or to not get <laughs> laid by the wrong person, basically. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's really, I think that initially it, you can come at it with a primal biological base, but human sexuality, since it is so nuanced, you can really take that as a form of eroticism that basically it can contribute to the individual self-recognition and it can pave the way to moral awareness for humans. Yeah, there's pretty much no topic that gets people more excited and also upset is <laughs> sexuality. And because like you say, there's so many different ways of looking at it and we're not just simply uh, some sort of monkey that just like a three second act and it's over. We have so yeah. much built around it. Our whole societies to a, to a certain degree, our, our status and, and everything like that. So, but to get into the nitty gritty, I guess, just to start in terms of the real basic biology. So if we're talking about the darker elements of this, we of course could go into lots of different gross realms like you know stis and stuff like that well you know we'll, we'll see if we get tremendously into that <laughs> but there's that but let's just start with the idea of i mean genitals right so yes we, we hide them as humans is that because we're ashamed so they're not distracting what what do you think that's all about 
You know, that's an, an excellent question. And I think that there are so many theories about that, but I think it's really, I mean, we were talking about puritanical sex being the, the worst horror of all, but for a lot of people, anything that goes outside of the realm of puritanical sex is horrifying, absolutely horrifying. And I think that we touched on the topic when we were exchanging notes yesterday about genitals and body fluids. And I think the first thing that popped into my mind was the movie Alien and the Alien franchise. Um, so definitely fluids and genitals and anything having to do with sex, the nitty gritty aspects of it, all of that can be interpreted into something terrifying. I mean, going back to, to Alien, I think that especially with fluids, you can take that and run with it. I think that they use concepts by hr giger i believe mm -hmm. and that whole you know that whole phallic alien design that they went with the the, the alien that secretes something I, mm -hmm. <laughs> I i don't know what it is it's just kind of dripping off everything and it's, disgusting it's i just, think it's yeah it's space cum yeah yeah it's space cum <laughs> everything about that movie um had sexual innuendo to it and it was really fascinating. I didn't really think about it until we started talking about it yesterday, but they really, really go into deep into sexuality in that film. And they did a great job of it. I mean, the whole, the, the eggs and the cave like room, you know, the entrances they go through the the pregnancy life cycle of the alien, all of that. Yeah. The chest burster and all yes. that stuff. And of course, you know, the, the woman lead, which wasn't very common back in the day right. for those types of movies. So yeah, mm -hmm. so playing into all that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely true. And they make it clearly dark, though. It's not like a, a happy commentary on sexuality per se. Definitely not. There are some dark themes in Alien for sure. But when you mentioned puritanical stuff, of course, a lot of things in the past are about repressing sexuality for you know th to to argue for the puritans for a second it's just like <laughs> okay you know like um so so the so the kid has a family to grow up in and stuff like that right that's probably where that aspect comes it's like all right let's have some sort of stability right there there could be an element that could be argued for that but then it's like no we're gonna have all these rules and stuff like that you can't do this you can't do this we're gonna be hypocritical about it and all that stuff so wh what do you think was might be this would be here find the root of that is what i'm asking but <laughs> but any thoughts just about how all of that played into even like witch trials and whatnot oh my goodness what we could just go on and on and on about this this topic i mean if you think about early horror movies you're basically punished for getting naked and being vulnerable and having sex, the slasher walks in, you know, stabs everyone. I was listening to your previous podcast with Angela Sylvain, where you kind of touched on this topic. But I think I think it is rooted in in the the Puritans of damn them to hell. Oh, so awful you know they just really wrecked us mentally <laughs> mm -hmm. so i think that anything that deviates from the norm any kind of aberrant sex can be considered horrifying to a lot of people mm -hmm. so and, and if you think about it horror and sex are kind of 
inter they're they're kind of related it kind of links in very very well with horror because horror can be seductive it's like you know come into my world right on my roller coaster let me terrify you you know that requires quite a bit of sweet talking if you if you think about it come outside of your puritanical values and come on a ride with me it's very seductive and i think that the the best erotic horror weaves fear and sexual arousal together those are two primitive emotions that we don't really touch on all that often so it can be really terrifying for a lot of people i think we were talking a little bit about the the young shadow side so um that definitely plays into that quite a bit sure well aspects of sex and it can differ of course based on the genders and things mm -hmm. like that but loss of control so yes. obviously in things like snm it's pretty blatant holding you down making but even something like an orgasm, it's a loss of control. You're like, I, you know, or for overwhelming sexuality, it's just like, oh, I can't control this. Like, I can't stop thinking about this and all the imagery mm -hmm. that's in front of me. So, so would you say that there, that's an element of some of the, the, it's both dark and light, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, what you were talking about, that whole loss of control, I think it really terrifies a lot of people. And that's why so many people experience deep rooted shame, hmm. you know, back to the Puritans, for example. Hmm. But I, I do think that erotic horror is it's a great place to explore all of those fears those emotions those sexual desires that are generally not acceptable or things that you would not necessarily do or explore in real life through writing you know as long as it's not something illegal or, or totally outside of of the norms i think it is a safe place to explore fantasies and read about them and learn about them and kind of explore that taboo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, like you said, horror and sex do tend to go hand in hand. I know part of the reason I used to like horror movies when I was an adolescent was because I got to see boobs. I mean, <laughs> and that's why they put them in there. I don't, I don't even know if it was always some deep commentary. Sometimes it's like, listen, a lot of our audience is going to be 14 year old guys. Let's put some boobs in here to keep the eyes on the film but there probably is a, a deeper element so yeah this is subversive this is outside the norm these days nudity and film is not a big deal but when right. horror films became really popularized or even you know in the 80s let's say but even before that i think nudity was probably a bit more common in in that genre i guess because they're mm -hmm. already like well we're already doing all this stuff surely surely this isn't a, a big deal although it does seem as if people are more antsy about nudity than they are about murder depictions <laughs> that yeah i think you're absolutely right and you know that's boobs were actually part of the reason that i started watching horror movies too i remember going into my parents living room late at night turning on the tv and watching those old erotic thrillers with the the saxophone playing in the background and they would have sex and then immediately after you knew something bad was going to happen and they were always they always had phone sex ads interdispersed in between some of those movies as well. So it was a, it was a true delight. I think it really influenced me. 
Yeah, I'm sure it influenced a, a lot of us. And yes, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I guess for the best. I mean, may, maybe, maybe having been introduced to sexual things without also like people's heads getting chopped off, maybe that would have traumatized us <laughs> less. But I don't know. That's just how it is. But yeah, yeah. so the sex of being a, a loss of control. But I think it comes from an element of, you know, a, a genuine fear, maybe even just like losing yourself in somebody. I mean, some literally that's, that's the case, you know, so like the uh, v- vagina dentata, I guess they call mm-hmm. that. So the idea of the man dick being chopped off by a woman's oh, vagina, yeah. like, I don't think a man is, we're literally afraid of that, but it's a, it's a metaphor. It could be a sexist way of looking at things like all oh, these women trying to, you know, take us over, but it could also come from a more legitimate, legitimate place of like, wow, I'm really feeling falling for this woman. I was living my own life and now this is my life. And boy, she has a lot of power over me. And of course it can go in the reverse direction. Uh, things like, uh, you know, well, 50 shades of gray is not horror, but right. you know, th- that brought the kind of the S and M element a little bit more into the, the mainstream there, but anything to say about any of that? Well, you were, you were talking about deep seated fears. And I think <laughs> I'm going to mention a movie, a French erotic fantasy movie called Spermula, which, <laughs> which is a real riot. I definitely recommend looking it up with subtitles in English. If you can, if you don't speak French, but it's basically about an alien horde of strictly women aliens who descend upon earth and seek out to basically neuter the male population and it's it's full of boobs you would love it (laughs) but it's a it's a real riot and i think that's one of the films that kind of introduced me to all this stuff very early on i think it was um released in 1976. well that's fascinating it is very interesting (laughs) i may or may not check it out i also know a little french so maybe i could challenge myself with my yep there you go there you go french French. lesson yes (laughs) it would be more of a it it would make me pay attention more but the um (laughs) what of course in film it's it's easy to slip that stuff in you're like oh look they're naked but in fiction it's a little more difficult you know like you don't get to do jump scares in fiction right that's a cheap thing that i wouldn't say cheap i enjoy that in movies but it's it's super easy you just go blah but I can't do that in my writing, you know, like turn the page. Oh, you know, that's not how that works. So you write sexual elements, you write erotica. So how does that differ than just showing a naked person? Well, I kind of think of erotica as more of a sapiosexual kind of thing. It taps into those deep-seated human emotions and thoughts in the brain where, you know, anyone can say, here, look at this, you know, show themselves off. But when you go into erotica, you go much deeper. So you have to tap into all of those elements. And then of course, if you weave erotica and horror, um, those are two primal, like I said, human elements that you can touch on so it takes a little bit of finagling i think Mm -hmm. but yeah i think you hit the nail on the head there in regards to it's getting into the Mm -hmm. the the thoughts more obviously that's what a book is we can actually get into people's thoughts but it's getting into a sexual element that is beyond just looking at physical flesh now there is a readership for erotica that is uh it is primarily 
women for the most part of course there's there's gay erotica and and but heterosexual men at least they don't admit to reading much erotica now now so let's you know without making over generalizations i think it's safe to say that most erotica is read by women could we say that to be true sure absolutely they love it but i mean i have men message me all the time oh i read your thing in hmm. blah 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 anthology and it, i don't know why that is maybe it's because hmm. i write femdom stuff a lot of the time and i attract ah. <laughs> i ah. attract subs so um men absolutely do read it i mean men are just like women in a lot of ways they want to be stimulated mm. intellectually i mean the brain is the biggest sex organ they say we all want to be mentally stimulated sure. so i think it's fair to say that a lot of people enjoy it sure yeah no no question about that but in regard to the the visual element versus the yes. the going deeper into it again plenty of men but if you're going to make uh, make some some generalizations there, it's accurate. But but yeah, that's the question, I guess. Could there be erotica more geared towards men? And what would that look like? Or would most men still be like, ah, just show me, just show me naked? <laughs> well, maybe you could entice them with a, a saucy cover or something like that, or or have an OnlyFans to try to to bring them in. <laughs> That might be it. That might be the way. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, I've experimented with OnlyFans narration and attracted quite a few male readers, but I, I do think that they are attracted, men are attracted to certain types of erotica. And I do think that they read it. They may not reach out to you. They may not admit that they like it, but right. I think, I think a lot of them do. That's yeah. And it, it may well be the case. I do know that there is, I heard a rumor about one fairly well-known horror author who writes, and it's a man who writes erotica under a pen name. Now, I don't even know if that's really true or what that even <laughs> means or what kind, but- Ooh, I would love to know who it is. But there is a lot of that element of mixing the genres. There are, there's mm -hmm. ghost romance stuff. So you, yes. got, you got that. I mean, that movie Ghost was literally, she was having sex with a- dead thing so yeah she was she was banging she was banging patrick swayze's ghost who is now dead Ooh. That's oh crazy. goodness but uh <laughs> yeah double ghost but so let's let's talk <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about the 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 femdom stuff that's going on um so tell us a little bit about that tell us what you like would like to about that uh sure so Basically, this all kind of started out as a way for me to explore things without getting too, too deep into them. I mean, it's like I said, this is a writing and reading is a safe space. So you don't actually have to delve into this kind of stuff. And you can kind of explore it without actually going too deep. I mean, I have done things before like phone sex and I, I admit that that's given me a, a ton of different ideas. So, you know, and I've, I've written about them in lots of detail and different pen names and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. So I just, I'm, I'm kind of attracted to it. It's a fascinating aspect of human sexuality to me. And it's, it's 
you know, it's aberrant. It goes outside of the, the puritanical norm, you know, the woman being in charge. And right. I find that a right. lot of, of women readers are interested in that kind of thing. It definitely deviates from the whole 50 shades of gray, hmm. you know, those, those books, I think that a lot of women are wanting to explore something a little bit different. So, hmm. um, I love it. I, I love delving into it. So anything different or fascinating. I love. Right. So I guess traditionally the idea would be the male or the man there is the pursuer and then the woman mm -hmm. is, is the pursued and this sort of turns it on its head. So I can see yes. the appeal for a woman. Like I'm in charge right now for this situation. What is the appeal do you think for, for people who are men to be dominated? What do you think is the, what, why do they want that? I think in a lot of cases, you, you talk to a lot of men who are in positions of power, a lot of CEOs, a lot of doctors, a lot of businessmen who are in an element of control in some aspect of their life. So giving up that control, at least momentarily, is very exciting for them. At least that's something that I really, I really learned that doing phone sex. I talked to a lot of, <laughs> I wish I could name names. Oh my goodness. A lot of really powerful people mm -hmm. are into that kind of stuff. So I think that that's kind of the basis of it. So are they just into the role playing of it? Or do you think that they actually want other people to tell them what to do, what as like a self punishment for telling other people what to do? Like, where do you think that's, that's coming from? It's, it's, I think that it is different for every man, right? I think that some of them just want to have an element of surrender in their lives. And I think some of them just want to, hmm. you know, let go and have someone take control and go outside of those you know, primitive boundaries that we've set up for ourselves. So it really depends on the, on the person. And that's what makes it so fascinating. Interesting. So it could be just even outside of sexuality there, it's breaking yep. a, a gender norm in terms of responsibility. Yes. So it's like, I could see getting into that in terms of like, all right, you pick the restaurant lady, mm -hmm. like for, <laughs> for a change. Don't make me always do that. So if that's Dom and sub, I'm totally into that version yep. of it. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I see that I could see that it's like, a to, to balance the scales or to try something different. And so would it, would the idea be that these, these men are wanting to cultivate fear in themselves, would you say, or it's not really about that? I think, I think some of them actually do. Some of it comes from a place of, this is very Freudian, but they may hang on to that whole mother ideal of having someone control every little aspect of their lives and tell them, oh, you're a bad boy, or you're a really, really good boy. You know, just having someone as um, a central figure you know, someone to take control over their lives. I mean, and it's like I said, hmm. it really depends on, on the person. Yeah. It's very, very interesting once you get into it. Yeah. I like to be in charge of things. So I can't think that this would <laughs> appeal to me, but who knows, maybe this is what I need in my life. Maybe just maybe, people telling maybe me so. to huh, I'll have to <laughs> think about that, but you would mention something to do with so deviant sex. And it's interesting. I was reading, it's a book from quite a while ago 
E.O. Wilson's uh, Human Nature, something like that. Just some stuff that we pretty much accept right now, but in the 70s, it was, it was a pretty big deal. And he was pushing back against the idea of sex being just procreative because, I mean, he's a biologist, so he should be arguing just for that. But he's like, obviously in the animal world for the most part, but not even entirely. So right. we, we know sex for pleasure, obviously that, but that it's sex for bonding. So yes. if you look at sex as a way to bond, it doesn't matter if you're hanging somebody from their hair, you know, over a, a puddle of slime, it's still a bonding experience. Yes, absolutely. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before that human sexuality is so complex and nuanced. And it's really not just for procreation. And I think that's kind of it's one of the markers of humanity is the fact that we have turned it from procreational into recreational. Right, right. And, and then there can be the element of so there's repression where it's like, you can't do this. And, and then it can actually break into because of the repression. I mean, we see in this country, I don't have anything against it, but like the girls gone wild, which is that's pretty passe. These that's like tame. That's like yes. G rated these days, but still like there's the idea in this country. It's like, you know, you don't ever show your body, but then, you know, like show your tits for beats. So it's like, okay, I don't have a problem with that. It doesn't offend me, but it's like, all right, those are two different kinds of things. And it's like, maybe if we weren't so weird about in the beginning, it wouldn't like come out in, again, I don't have a problem with people. If people want to show me their boobs, I don't carry beads around, <laughs> but I'm not going to be offended. But there's something about that. That's like a little weird. It's like, those are plastic beads. They have no value whatsoever. Exactly. What's going oh, on yes. there? So was that I, just I'm... the escape valve? I probably, probably so. And this is why we have so many uh, just hypocrisies and humanity is because I think that we're still trying to figure this out and still trying to embrace the idea that sexuality is so much more than just having babies and, and sitting back and taking care of a, a home. So yeah, and, and, and I'm from New Orleans, so I totally get what, what you're saying. And it's it's a very, very Catholic city. It's it's New Orleans and during Mardi Gras is just the most fascinating thing ever. <laughs> well, there's that whole stereotype of the Catholic schoolgirl who is not a very good girl. So right. that comes exactly. from something. It's like, don't do don't ever look at boys. Don't mm -hmm. and then it's like, I'm gonna look at so many boys, you know, and <laughs> Whereas I come from a Jewish background and, and Judaism tends to be a lot more chill on the whole sexuality mm -hmm. thing, unless you're an Orthodox or well, actually a, a Supreme Orthodox, you have to be super Orthodox for to even be that uptight. So for me, it's never been like a big thing. And there's not like a, a whole thing about, I guess there are stereotypes about Jewish women too, but I, I don't know if those are really true, <laughs> but the, the Catholic schoolgirl thing, like you can't do this thing, therefore I'm going to do it. In Judaism, it's more, more laid back. So there isn't, however the Jewish people would behave, it's not as much because we're being sort of contrarian or because we've been sexually repressed is what I think. All right. There's so many crazy things that come out of repression you you see it all the time i mean there are just so many examples it's like you said the catholic schoolgirl gone gone wild i mean 
the repressed boy, you know, and people go into porn all the time because of repression. They, they want to embrace themselves and let go. Right. I mean, that's kind of a, a wild example of, of letting go, but I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of repression. Right. But I guess on the other end of the coin, is there such a thing as going too far, like letting, letting it just like, whatever, I'm not going to have any basis for it's just like if i can have sex i'm just gonna have sex and sex sex you know there's a sex positive concept which is like don't put a negative thing but can there be times this sounds like this is like a therapy appointment or something but uh can there be (laughs) times where sexuality profligate sexuality has a dark side as well possibly so but in that case i think it's important and you know we were talking about growing up and i think it's important to stick to the the facts and i'm a i'm a firm believer that we need to have sex education in in schools i think that would be wonderful because you can't always leave it up to the parents you don't know what the child's home life is going to be like so i think that just sticking to the facts that's mm-hmm. the best that you can do for someone who's growing up I see. So yeah, learning. And of course, repression in boys, it's very likely that some of the awful violence, a lot of times they're outcasted boys, and maybe they don't have as much opportunity in terms of sex. And we do know things, suicide bomber stuff. There's often, um, I definitely don't want to talk about that too much, just because I don't need a fatwa on me. But there is an element of don't do it. And then it's like, all right, mm-hmm. I guess I'll just uh, right. get it. I'll do something horrific. And then maybe in the afterlife, that'll come to me, which I don't want to talk anymore about. That's the only right. thing I'm afraid yeah. of talking about. I'll talk about all the other stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, we're going I to hear you. But, uh, but yeah, so the, the repression and, and all of that stuff. And I, I mean, do, do you think that there are, there are some elements though of people who they repress too much and then they maybe are a little bit too like anything goes and then they come back to a middle ground. Absolutely. I think that that happens to a ton of people. If you kind of look at the BDSM and fetish world, you'll see people come into it and then it gets too much to them and for them and they'll flee. You know, it's very heavy stuff. It's very, very heavy topics. I mean, people you know, would call up on the phone sex line and cry on the line all the time because they had so much repressed stuff that was just coming out, you know, as a, in, in kink. But hmm. on the flip side, kink and exploring those aspects of yourself can be very therapeutic. Hmm. So there's kind of a fine line and a fine balance that you're playing along with here. So Sure, sure. That would make sense and be yes. different for different people. But of course, one of the scariest things about sex is the thing that sex is also often largely for, which is creating babies. Mm-hmm. That's also the thing. It's like, oh, I better not make a baby. I better not do the right. thing originally. I know. They do this. So that's that's a funny irony. Is there anything else that'd be like, oh, I better not, um, you know, basically eat food that will. Well, I guess people are afraid of eating food too. They're like, oh, I'll get too fat or something like that. So we're, we <laughs> I guess that's not that unusual, but to me, that's having a baby by accident could be scary, but then at the same time that often turns out fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it can be horrifying. There's this, this thing growing inside of you that's feeding off of all of your, you know, 
biological processes. Talk, going back to alien, you know, for a second, my goodness, it can be very terrifying. It's like yes. a parasite or it can be like a parasite. Well, that we had a whole episode on pregnancy and that was what was discussed mm -hmm. with a, with a pregnant woman. So yes, that's, that's for sure. So there sex is, is such a, an immense topic. And of course it happens in a dark room often, you know, there, mm -hmm. there are dark places that you can't see. So it is, <laughs> it is so intertwined with, like we were saying, the shadow and Frankly, if I wrote a horror book and there wasn't any sex, or if I wrote or read one, I would feel a little gypped, right? Like I, yeah. I do include a little bit of sex in my, my books for sure. I tend to be more on the not showing as, as much, but I had an elderly man jerked off by somebody in one of mine. So I, I'm clearly not afraid. <laughs> Looking forward to reading that one, by the way. <laughs> Good. <laughs> And I wrote, but this is interesting though. So I always, people notice who, who listen to my show that I always bring my own work into, into play. And I will want to talk a little bit about yours to close out the show, but I wrote a short story called Handgina. And it's literally what you think. It's a, it's a guy who grows a vagina in his hand. And it's actually, <laughs> it's a feminist story. It's about a guy, he's a bit of a chauvinist. And then he has, you know, a symbol, a symbolic experience of seeing things from a different lens. And he starts, oh, okay, here, maybe, maybe um, I should open my eyes a little bit more. And people, it was very, I couldn't get it published, actually. No one would publish it. I, I had to put it on uh, Kindle singles. And uh, yeah, it's, so at that point, I was like, are people this freaking uptight? that I can't even write a story called Hangina or my guess, do you think that, I mean, the first thing you, you hear when you hear that, you're like, is this guy going to exploit this top, this right. concept? Right. But then it's like, well, read the book. Like, but I yeah. guess, so, so what do you, what do you think about, um, <laughs> about the concept of writing a book about a Hangina? You want to say something as a man about these issues, you have to talk about this stuff. And then you're immediately cast out be, oh that's probably that's too offensive and it's like well who's the who's the uptight one here well i think it's it's the corporations trying to you know protect everyone from this kind of stuff i say protect and and air quotes here but you see it all the time with with amazon they will ban things without even really knowing what they are and that's why i really love sites like godless who aren't afraid to kind of push the boundaries with that kind of things. But there are lots of editors and publications that will take that stuff that will push you to explore those boundaries. But I think that, you know, like a Hangina story, that's something that I would want to read. I would definitely want to read something like that. So it, you know, we're kind of in an age where we're right on the cusp of exploring this whole shadow side aspect of ourselves and of humanity. But right now, I think we're still in kind of a protective bubble where it's like, you know, people don't want to read that. It's it's too much. It's it's I don't know what this is. The title freaks me out. So right, right. We're, we're protected from a lot of that stuff, but there's definitely an audience 
for right. that kind of material. You see it all the time. I mean, Smashwords, by the way, hint, hint, <laughs> is a great place to upload your stuff if, if it's mm. too controversial for Amazon. Right. Well, Amazon let it go up. They just buried it in the algorithm. Mm. It, was, yes. it was all the horror fiction editors who wouldn't accept the story. Right. That, so that's what I found really interesting. But tell us a little bit about your novel, Azalea House. Sure. So it's due to be released November 16th by Winding Road Stories, and they've been wonderful so far. It's kind of a coming-of-age Southern Gothic tale about two siblings who lose their parents on a car accident, and they have to deal with a dysfunctional family. So there's quite a bit of family drama, there's some violence, and of course, I can't stay away from sexual exploration topics. So there's a little bit of that sprinkled in there as well. That sounds excellent. Are you working on anything new? Beyond yes, newer? I, I'm not going to say what it is just yet, but I do have some dark poetry in the anthology Beautiful Tragedies 2 with Hellbound Books that has been released over the summer. And I just released a short story about werewolf dominatrixes, and that's in an anthology called The Femdom Coven. So I will be narrating that story this weekend, probably, um, and that'll be on my OnlyFans at Fembionic. So looking forward to that. Interesting. So is social media the best way people can find your stuff? Yes, absolutely. I'm on Instagram at Fembionic007 and then Twitter at just Fembionic. Great. And that will also be linked to your uh, show description. So thank you so much for coming thank on you. the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's Worst Nightmare, where I, Josh Schlossberg, survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction presented by Denver Horror Collective. If you don't want to miss any of the great, and sometimes disturbing, weekly episodes I've got planned for you, be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter at joshsworstnightmare.com, where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror, including my infamous haiku horror reviews and my latest dark scribblings. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my cosmic biological folk horror novella, Moline, from D&T Publishing, you can find a copy of the paperback, hardcover, or ebook at Amazon, Godless.com, or joshsworstnightmare.com. Yours darkly, Josh Schlossberg. <laughs>